You want to find your tribe of raving fans, and that's just what we're here to help you do. This is the Tactical Titans podcast by Justin Lamb of the Tactical Program, where we help entrepreneurs build better businesses by not only sharing insights and candid conversations, but by nurturing our minds as well. Get ready to build, automate, and scale your business, because here we go. Here's your host, Chief Strategist of 360 Media and Educator at TacticalProgram.com, Justin Lamb. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tactical Titans, where I help business owners build better businesses. And today I'm being joined again by Erin Bentley, a relationship coach. She has been a wonderful addition to our podcast. We've had such a great uh, uh, reception for her uh, appearance in the last time. So we thought we'd bring her on again. And, you know, if, if it keeps going on and you guys are liking it, we're going to keep having her on as a regular on the show. And uh, so today, Aaron, thank you for joining me once again. Oh, thanks for having me back, Justin. Yeah, amazing. And so, you know, September is really a big marker for the year. I think a lot of parents uh, are sending their kids back to school and that gives them some sort of semblance of consistency again in their life uh you know you know as opposed to the summer months where you know really is spending time with the kids uh and i thought this would be a really great episode for us to kind of banter a little bit back and forth about the psychology and the mindset uh for business owners and i guess maybe particularly the small business owners that have families uh, i think would be a really good way to do it because i mean that's such a big relationship gap oftentimes in in uh in, in the world of entrepreneurship, the home life and then the business life and the mindset that, that has to occur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, September's a big month here. I've got uh, young kids, one in, one in elementary school, one still in daycare. So I, I really feel that, you know, with you, I know you've got a little one as well, another one on the way, Justin. Um, but, you know, all the other parents I know that I'm talking to at the school playground, um, some of whom are entrepreneurs, some of whom are you know working from home still in the pandemic. Um, it's an adjustment and sort of, you know, out of the summer season and then back in September and maybe more normal you know, or predictable childcare arrangements. But for some of us, I mean, it takes us almost the full month of September to feel like we've dropped into a rhythm, right? And finding a rhythm, I think, is, you know, for many of us, essential to creating consistency. Yeah, and that consistency, I think a lot of parents, uh, you know, entrepreneurs, they beat themselves up so frequently uh, mm-hmm. about, you know, they feel like that there's, they're neglecting their other child, right? The, the, the office child, um, you know, when they're trying to deal with the, the family stuff and, you know, part of them feels guilty for leaving that child. And then of course, you know, the opposite happens when they decide to you know, dive their nose into the grindstone, you know, they, they fight with that same, that same charged energy. And you know, in your world, when you come across things like that, like that adversity, you know, where they're trying to pick one or the other, you know, what type of things do you kind of suggest people go through um, or, or what, what, what type of things would you suggest people kind of explore uh, in, in terms of the mindset uh, that they could take with them as a tool during this time? Uh, well, mindset is, I mean, you know this, Justin, and you and I have jammed on this before. Um, mindset is such a huge topic, but specifically with regard to being a parent and an entrepreneur, um, you know, I don't think I'm overstating it when I say that it's possible that of all entrepreneurs, those of us who are juggling parenting, childcare, and our businesses, it may be possibly the most important that we be mindful of our mindset. So that's the first thing is bringing mindfulness to it. A couple of stumbling blocks that I see with clients and you probably do as well. One of them is perfectionism. 
right? One of the biggest stumbling blocks to having a mindful mindset, one that is actually supportive of our efforts as both as parents and as entrepreneurs is, uh, is confronting perfectionism. Best definition of perfectionism I've ever heard is when we tie uh, our worth to performance and achievement. Okay. So our worth as people is tied to our performance and achievements as parents. However, we, however, we think of that. And our worth as entrepreneurs can be tied to, you know, business targets, sales targets, you know, new client leads, all those kinds of things that we're doing in our businesses, you know, pretty much consistently. So, you know, battling the demons, you know, of, of perfectionism, it's, it's no joke for some of us. And so we end up feeling like we're not doing anything right. We're neither showing up as we would like to as parents and we're not, nor are we showing up as we would like to as entrepreneurs. Would you agree, Justin, that, that perfectionism is a battle you see a lot of your clients going through? Yeah, I find that, you know, when we talk about perfectionism, you know, people often think of it as that they're, they're not able to deliver their final goods or their final services because, you know, they're, they're just still missing pieces of the nitpicking. Um, and, and part of it is, uh, it, it's a coping mechanism uh, in, in a sense where uh, they're delaying the delivery of something for fear of, of judgment. Mm-hmm. And, and so oftentimes I tell people it's not necessarily about perfection, but it is about precision. And the precision mm. part of that, I think, is really when we target and carve out a specific thing that we have to accomplish and complete. Mm-hmm. And knowing that, especially in business uh, and parenthood as well, I mean, everything is an evolution. What you what you are today, your being today will ultimately evolve in the next 24 hours as you learn and you go through and you build these neural connections. Um, you know, as a parent, you, you're bringing in new knowledge as a business owner, you're learning a new tactic. Uh, so, so everything is an ever evolving, you know, process and it's an organic living matter. I mean, both the business and your family. And so, you know, to be perfect, to, to, to implement perfection means that at the end of it all, there's nothing to improve upon. And we know that that isn't true. And so, mm-hmm. you know, instead I tell people, you know, aim for precision you know, deliver and carve out something very focused, very narrow that you can complete and implement and push out into the world and then leave time and space for you to tweak, modify, improve upon that process because that process is everlasting. Business is a, a, a zero-sum game. It's an infinite game, you know. So, so you either play until you run out of resources uh, mm-hmm. or, or or new players come onto the block and they just kind of push you out of the uh, out, out of the arena. So and those are really the only two times that business ends. And your family, mm-hmm. I mean, you you'll have family and you're going to be improving as a parent mm-hmm. all the way until the day you die. Mm-hmm. So for me, when when we run up in business coaching, we talk about precision versus perfection. Mm-hmm. But that mindset is critical because you know in your world you know, we're talking about, you know, how people have their self-worth tied to that. Mm-hmm. And, and so for you, for you, you know, how do you, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you, how does a person take that feeling of insecurity, uh, the feeling of being judged uh, and, and turn that energy and focus that energy in a more constructive manner, instead of taking away from what's happening and, and them living a full spectrum of of what they can experience in their life and their business well and par- part of it is trying i think you know like how do you like season and sort of reclaim recover and then redirect the energy that anxiety that sometimes accompanies perfectionism it's a it's a outstanding question 
So uh, I remember saying to uh, somebody, one of my networking groups, she, she talked about how, because, uh, you know, we have to stand up, you and I are in the same networking group, Justin, you have to stand up and do an infomercial. And when, pre-COVID, we were doing this in a room in person. Whenever she would stand up to deliver an infomercial, she would deliver a beautiful sort of elevator pitch or 30-second description or ask for her business. But she confided to me that she was feeling tremendously nervous. And uh, I looked at her and I said, um, I said, you know, a lot of people will tell you that your nervousness is a liability. I said, I look at it a little differently. If you're nervous, if you're anxious about something, um, it's because you give a shit. And the fact that you care is an asset, not a liability. So that caring, if we can reframe that, okay, I'm anxious because I care. I'm anxious because I want to serve my client. I want to do the best for my client. I'm anxious because... I want to scale my business so that the people that work for me can have steady employment and take care of their families because we're a team and we're like an extended family or a chosen family of sorts. And, and I care about my employees. So our care, right, can lead us to feel anxious. But if we can, if we can center on that sponsoring emotion, because with emotions, I mean, you know, for example, with sometimes when people get angry, what they show is anger, but what they're actually feeling the sponsoring emotion, the first emotion is helplessness. And the secondary emotion is anger, but they don't necessarily allow themselves to feel helplessness. And so what shows is anger. And then they just feel bad because they're mad. You know, mad is bad. That's one of the stories we have about anger in our culture. And so similarly, you know, the sponsoring, you know, the sponsoring feeling of anxiety, you know, tied to perfectionism is often we really care. We care about what we produce. We care about the quality of our service. We care about, you know, making our business uh, scaled or scalable so we can help more people with our products and programs and services. And so that caring, we can, first of all, like zoom in on that as the sponsoring emotion. And then the, the trick is, can you flip that caring and that presence or that caring rather and anxiety into presence? Because it's just energy, right? So, you know, sometimes uh, I, do, I do a lot of public speaking and, and sometimes I, I have people come to me for, uh, for coaching in public speaking because it's, it's something that I'm strong at. And so I say to them, well, how do we flip anxiety into presence? And so one of the ways that I teach this is through, is through visualization, right? So when I'm nervous about something, when I'm anxious about something, Justin, if you might not guess that sometimes I still get anxious before I do public speaking. Oh, me too. I, I totally do. Yeah. And I, and, and it's a strength. I, I know that I have strength and, and depth there uh, and lots of practice public speaking and teaching, but I still get anxious. Is it because I'm uncertain about my skill? No, it's because I give a shit, right? And so that caring, you know, when I, when I really actually come underneath the feeling of anxiety and get into that caring and I start to go, okay, what's my why? We talk about this in business. One of the most important things you can know as an entrepreneur, what's your why? Specifically, as Abin Meisner says, who's the founder of BNI, Business Networking International, how do, how do I convey the emotional connection to what I do? Why am I a relationship coach? Why does that matter to me? Why are you a business coach? What is your emotional connection to this work? When I actually get refocused and recentered on my why, my why of being an entrepreneur, my why of being a parent, my why of sometimes feeling like I'm not showing up enough uh, because I'm busy with business and I can't spend as much time playing on the floor with my son, building you know things with blocks as he would like. And then I remember my why. Well, part of the reason I work is to raise and support my family. And that's a value for me. That connection, that family is, is a value for me. So I can come into that why and go, yeah, my son doesn't understand yet that sometimes mommy has to work and can't play on the floor with him with his blocks. But I know, and I can come into that feeling, you know, be aware of his disappointment and try to take steps ar around that when I can, as I can, 
but I can also get like really into like, okay, well, so why am I feeling guilty about this? Well, it's because I care about my son. Well, that care is an asset, not a liability. I care for him deeply. And then I can get creative about, well, what are some other ways I can show my care or other times I can show my care in ways that will land for him? So now it was a problem. My guilt about not playing enough with my son because I've got to work. And in the moment when he really, really wants me to play and I have to say, sweetie, I'm sorry, I've got to get on and talk with my friend Justin right now. How can I actually notice the guilt, make a little space for it and go, okay, why am I guilty? It's because I care about my son. I care about my son because his needs matter to me. I care about my son because I, I want to be a parent. I want to be there for him. I want him to know that he is worthy of my love, of my time, of my attention. And those are good things. And I can come back into my values, back into my why. And when I get recentered and refocused on those things, I notice that the feeling of guilt lifts just as a feeling of anxiety will lift. If I'm nervous about coming on to do an interview because I want to do a really good job because this work matters to me and I want to serve and help people. If I get, if I get connected to my why, the feeling of anxiety starts to shift from just an anxious, nervous feeling or butterflies. It, with practice, the feeling starts to shift into presence. And so that when I actually sit in front of the camera or I sit in front of a client or I take the stage when I'm doing a live event, what people feel is my presence, right? They feel my caring presence because I'm centered in that. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's so powerful. I think, you know, just like you, I mean, I get anxious when I speak, uh, when, when I'm on, you know, coaching to people, sometimes there's that anxiety because, you know, we really just want to have that transformation for that client. And, you know, all knowing, and this goes back to perfection versus precision, it, I could deliver a perfect uh, session, but that could yield zero transformation for the individual because, you know, as a coach, I can bring you to water. I can't make you drink. Yeah. And, and that's hard to stomach as a coach. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times, like, you know, we feel that do we not serve them? Mm -hmm. But then when you look at the average, well, everybody else had a problem and this person wasn't able to do it. So is that really my issue? No, but it allows us that opportunity to say, okay, it didn't work for him like this. What other way could I maybe, you know, work on this issue uh, so that another person who might struggle the same way, be able to effectively, you know, find a, find a, find a thing that works for them. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and that's showing us that we care, right. From a business standpoint, you know, the perfection is, is, shouldn't be existent. The, the perfection is, a feeling of of us, you know, that nervous energy, that lack of presence and, and authority, but not because we don't care. Mm -hmm. And when we care, um, we put all that focus and energy into that 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 thing that we're doing. Mm -hmm. That transformation can be so so powerful for for the individual and and for us as well. And I think you you know it's so it's so great that you 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 so elegantly put it that way that uh, it's not about us being uh, not being there and not caring or, or whatever, whether it's for our family or for our business, but mm -hmm. it's, it's us really um, that the energy just needs to shift. And when we get into flow state, that's, that's where it happens, right? We click mm -hmm. and we turn on. It's not because we don't know our stuff. We do. Mm -hmm. So what also comes around this time, of course, uh, during during September is, is also quite interesting as people get into the swing of thing, the year end, that final year end push. And I don't know about you, but I, I think in our production company, it is like worrying. Everybody is trying to make the last goal, the last stretch, um, you know, for whatever the goals that the company has put out. How, 
do you tell people, you know, especially entrepreneurs, the owners, how do you help them through the burnout? Because the burnout is real. You know, the last quarter, that last, the last sprint to the end, everybody is firing on all cylinders, trying to make whatever goal it was, uh, you know, to, to hit those year end targets. But burnout is so real. What are some things that you can, you know, suggest to the, the people who are listening to be able to focus that energy and to bring that, you know, to a more productive state. Mm, I mean, burnout is real. And as, I mean, let's, you know, let's name the elephant in the room. I mean, uh, we're all, we're all coming in and out of burnout and COVID has, um, there's no two ways about it. The, the world, like globally, we are going through a collective trauma, right? Because of COVID normal got swept away from us. And there are moments when things return to almost normal or seemingly normal, depending on where we live, depending on COVID rates, if we're back in the office, if we're not back in the office, people still wearing masks, masks are on, masks are off, whatever the case may be. Um, we are going through a collective trauma. And that is going to not only increase the frequency of our encounters with this thing called burnout, but if we want to last, if we want to be able to come out the other side, um, at least walking, if not, you know, not staggering and fumbling and stumbling and to our knees. Um, because burnout can feel like that. And I've been there and I know many of the people that are going to be watching this have been there too. So burnout is something we really, really need to be having conversations about. So a couple of things we can do with burnout. Um, one of the things that can help us move through a burnout state, first and foremost, we have to stop, right? Now that doesn't mean you stop for a week. It could mean that you stop for 10 minutes. Uh, Oftentimes, you know, I feel like I don't have 10 minutes. I don't, I feel like I don't have 10 minutes. I've got two children. I'm trying to get out the door for school. I've got a client I've got to get to. I'm like, I don't have 10 minutes. I don't have 10 minutes. But when I actually sit down, when I'm not feeling frantic, because you can't do this when you feel frantic, you just got to sit. When you're, when you're frantic, you just got to bring yourself back to baseline. But once you're at baseline, your, your anxiety is not running you. You're not stressed out, overwhelmed, feeling hopeless, helpless, like there's not enough help and there's too much to do. Once you return to baseline, when I actually sit down and look at, you know, what I want to accomplish in a week, you know, Tony Robbins says is people overestimate what they can accomplish in a day and they underestimate what they can accomplish in a lifetime, right? So bearing that in mind, you know, uh, if I sit down and look at my week, you know, I, I sat down to look at uh, some financial targets and realized, because I'm always like, I don't have enough time, I don't have time. And I was telling myself this story and it's not just like a repetitive story. I want to like reframe that for your listeners and say, it's like an incantation. This is an incantation. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. That's an incantation. And I just say it and my body starts to feel anxious. But what if I actually look at my time and I actually go, okay, if I'm going to see X number of clients a week and I'm going to do X number of hours of business development and I've got, you know, structured flow built into my, my time blocks where I can just go, okay, I'm doing business development, but I haven't decided what I've got. Here's the nine tasks I could do. Which of these energizes me the most and pick an energizing one. So creating that flex in my weekly schedule where I've got time blocks for business development, some of which are you know, earmarked for you know, bookkeeping, some of which are earmarked for networking meetings, but some of which are time blocked, but there's no task assigned to them. And I can come into that moment in a flow state and go, which of the things that I could be working on excites me the most right now? What makes me feel inspired? What makes me feel exhilarated? If I can gravitate weekly a few times to things that excite, exhilarate, and inspire me, that's going to help to refill me, which is preventative for burnout. Once we hit burnout, though, we do sometimes have to stop. We've got to rest. 
It can mean, you know, really getting a handle on your revenge procrastination at bedtime, turn the light out half an hour earlier, turn the light out an hour earlier. It sounds boring as, as dirt, getting enough sleep or trying to get a bit more sleep, but it is both healing for burnout and also preventative. So you kind of get into the price of one there. And then the other thing with burnout, of course, is to, we have to talk about motivation. Because when we're burnt out, usually our motivation is at a real low. Well, how do we source motivation? Well, most of us, you know, have been told the story that motivation is extrinsic. It's outside ourselves. Because we've grown up, most of us, in, in places and spaces where we went to highly structured education, you know, educational institutions. And so we were responding to deadlines, to structures, to spaces, to rhythms that somebody else set for us. And as a result, many of us, even those of us who are organically very intrinsically motivated, lost connection with our intrinsic motivation. We've already touched on one of your most intrinsic forms of motivation, that's being in touch with your why. Your emotional connection to why you do what you do. That's a great intrinsic form of motivation. But another way that we can source motivation is instead of expecting motivation to come first and then the task, say, uh, you know, bookkeeping to come after, what we have to do is show up with a consistent practice. We talked about consistency earlier, right? We've talked a little bit about perfectionism. Seth Godin said this. I, I, I think of Miss Seth the God Godin because the guy is so insightful. The guy's written a blog a day every day for 20 years. That is consistent. And he has children. He has two children to my knowledge. So it's not as if he's not also juggling parenting and entrepreneurship and being a, a world-renowned expert in marketing. And so, you know, we think about perfectionism, motivation, but if we can, if we can recognize that, yes, there are external pressures, especially year end, the external pressures go up, the external motivations go up. But if there isn't a, a critical mass of intrinsic internal motivation to meet the external motivation, a balance of internal and external motivations, what happens, especially at year end, is that external motivation can get so high. And if because of the year end and COVID and everything else, our intrinsic motivation is fading, this just starts to feel suffocating. We start to feel overwhelmed. We start to feel stressed out. We start to feel like we're drowning, right? And so reconnecting with our intrinsic motivations can be helpful. Um, one way to do this is with consistent practice. So again, whether it's bookkeeping or blogging, showing up for a consistent practice five, 10 minutes a day. And we do this for seven days. And what we do at the end of seven days, we look back, we realize we've been consistent. We've been consistent. We've shown up. We start to feel good. And as we reflect on being consistent, which is a value, right? Being consistent, doing something consistency is a value. And we acknowledge ourselves. We start to experience positive feelings about being consistent. That's when motivation arrives. Motivation is the product of a consistent practice, not its prerequisite. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sort of parallel to that, you know, when we compare that from the business point of view, um, and, and this is really great insight because when people are showing signs of uh, burnout, what I tell people is, is it's more than likely it's because they put an external pressure that doesn't actually exist. Um, it is a pressure from social media it is trying to wear that badge of honor that working extra hours is yielding better productivity, but it isn't. Um, you know, studies show constantly over and over again that, you know, people really are only productive five hours of the day. Um, you know, they, they, they don't they don't work eight hours. And, you know, if you're an owner of a business, you got to be you got to be opening your eyes to this because your people 
they don't work eight hours straight. And you can't expect them to work eight hours straight and you can't expect them to burn the midnight oil and still be productive. Uh, mm -hmm. In fact, you'll find that they'll do their best work by doing small, short sprints and then have time for them to release that energy afterwards. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that creative juice, whatever it is that they need to do, they do it in a short burst. Then they got to go out, they got to burn, they got to refuel, you know, they got to they got to put energy back into the system, whether that's going for a walk, socializing with their friends, uh, you know, decompressing with their spouse and, and the family. Uh, and then when they're recharged, they can come back into the game. And it's actually better. And I tell business owners all the time, it's like, if you're going to go into crunch mode, you're actually mm. better off structuring them in two hour blocks and mm. then letting them release for for a time, you know, time periods, you know, where you either do something constructive, some something that takes the air out going for group walks, um, you know, mm. you yourself oh, going for a walk, right? Mm. Like just you have to burn um, energy, you have to get blood flowing through the body uh, mm. in order for us to really go back to focus and do our best work. And, and trying to, you know, burn that midnight oil, trying to push ourselves to the extreme limit, especially doing the things that we don't like, which are definitely not motivational, um, mm. you know, really just doesn't help that. And that burnout then leaves you starting the new year with zero because you have nothing in the tank. And so you're going to spend the first part of the most like amazing part of your year where everything is brand new and you feel like this renewal of energy and, and you're just burnt out from Christmas. Like, you know, like you're lethargic between that lull of Boxing Day to New Year's Eve, like it's a dead zone and everybody's just checked out. But do you know, I am the most productive in those four days. Mm. And, and it's the reason why is because I choose not to burn out throughout that process. And, and same with our team. So rather than trying to push for the end goal, really take a step back, reassess your why, just like you were talking about, but then pair that with the impact that you want to make. Because the financial targets, they're, they're just a small piece of the puzzle. Because trying to chase that financial target can sometimes take you away from the impact that you actually want to make. Because you're so fixated on the little financial goal, you're forgetting about you know, really caring about your community, really caring about your family, really caring about your employees. Mm -hmm. And what you were gung-ho about in, you know, January through August, all of a sudden evaporates at the end of the year and you turn into something that you're completely really not, mm -hmm. is really not that, it's not really conducive to good business, not really conducive to good, good leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know. Yeah, and, and, when, and when you're truly burnt out, Justin, you're too tired to care. Mm -hmm. You're too tired to care. You're too tired to care about the goals you set in like, like more than a year ago, because some of us are setting our, our, our goals for 2022, like, you know, September, right? You know, we're refining goals that we created a year ago in our three-year plan, our five-year plan. So some of those goals that we set, we just don't feel a connection to anymore, right? You're just like, I, I just, I'm too tired to care. And, and when we are at that place, I mean, for real, like it's, it's, uh, we need some rest. I mean, I, we'd be remiss probably, Justin, if we didn't mention the book by the Nagoski sisters, uh, both PhDs. Uh, one in fine arts, the other, I think she's a social scientist. They were interviewed by Brene Brown uh, about their book, Burnout, on burnout. And it talks about like how to close that stress cycle. So I, when I hear you say you're talking about moving, like actually get up from the desk and move, stretch, breathe, mindfully, go for a walk. There's basically just two ways we close the stress cycle. One is through movement and the other one is through crying, 
right? Or, you know, primal screen therapy or some sort of like visible form. That's how we close stress cycles. Well, for most of us, if we don't, if we're not mindful of our mindset, right, which has to have proactive measures in place for closing stress cycles, all of that stress builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. And so instead of intrinsic motivation, what you have is intrinsic pressure. You have pressurization instead of motivation. You combine that with the extrinsic, the external year-end targets, that is a recipe for finding yourself on your knees, right? So we need that. We need prevention. And we also need those things. Well, what do we do when we're in that place where we're just up here, we're on the ceiling and we can't focus and, and we can't be creative, you know? Well, then we have to go back. You know, we talk about the conditions of possibility for motivation, a consistent practice where you reflect on being consistent. You reflect specifically what I teach my coaching clients around this is, you know, we focus on two things. We focus on presence over performance. Okay. So, and we focus on values over outcomes, right? So I'm not ignoring outcomes, but it's, where's the emphasis of my focus. And I guarantee it, if you're focused more on values over outcomes, if you're focused more on presence over performance, you'll actually be happy with your performance and your outcomes, right? So some of those things are part that we have to sort of build in over time. But if we don't also factor in, what am I doing day to day, week to week? to close those tabs in my brain browser, in my nervous system browser. You know how your computer slows down and you got 400 tabs open? Well, guess what? So do you. When you got 400 tabs open, 400 stress tabs open, right? Eventually your body will work with you until it won't, right? And that's when it comes out. So movement, creating a practice for emoting, you know, full disclosure as an entrepreneur, if I didn't actually have the ability to sit and just have a stress cry sometimes as a parent, if I didn't have the ability to notice I'm starting to get, you know, like hot into the collar here, I need to take myself, sit on the edge of my bed and have a good cry because I'm feeling overwhelmed. If I didn't have the ability to do that, I don't know how it would function, especially through COVID. So if you, if you're listening and you didn't have these things top of mind before COVID, COVID has probably put it front and center, but uh, that, that book on burnout by the Nagoski uh, sisters, the twins is, is um, it's easy to read. Uh, most people don't want to read another damn book, let alone a blog, right. About burnout or stress, make time for this one. It's worth your time. Fantastic. I mean, that's a great book to share for, for our audience listeners. Um, you know, some, it's not a book that I've personally read. I, I you know, when I th- read about um, trauma and burnout and, and how the body handles that stress, uh, I actually, I spent a lot of time uh, researching the, the works of Gabor Mate. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and I love his, his work. And I've actually just started a new book, not, not by Gabor, but, but by somebody else, um, you know, talking about the, the clues that uh, trauma leaves in your body and, you know, how it, how it manifests itself into some of the aches and pains and you know the eczemas uh, the rosaceas mm-hmm. that we have uh, and you know what and, and and funny enough like i've witnessed this firsthand uh early 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 on in my career uh, i had an opportunity to go to a training called humans being more and they had a module there that talked about memory lane and memory lane uh you know was trying to bring up old traumas or old stories that have sat in our brains that we haven't resolved as people uh as as young children or young adults and you know when i went to the seminar the first few days i noticed this one lady and she walked around what looks to be uh like parkinson's so shaking she was unable to really verbalize things without stammering um but i tell you 
the body really does hold on to this trauma because what happened was is we, we went down memory lane um, at the end of memory lane she ran up to the front of the room and she put her hand out and we we'd all seen her mm-hmm. she was she was shaking like a leaf the day we came in but she held up her hand she goes the shaking is gone the shaking is gone and we were just in there shocked and she, and and when the facilitator goes whoa that's that's incredible what happened she goes i let it go i let it go i let it go yes. and, and and she let go of trauma and hate and and like just pure seething negative energy that she'd been harboring for decades and she let it go wow so how powerful is that you know i mean th- th- yes that's a very extreme example we're manifesting that at, at a very you know, foreign, but it's not that far because we're manifesting ourselves in that same, you know, region where we're having indigestion problems, we're having poor bowel movements, you know, we're mm-hmm. having insomnia, we are having headaches, uh, you know, we're having skin issues, higher, higher outbreaks of, of uh, influenza and, and, mm-hmm. you know, having diseases, you know, sort of take over our body. That's not coincidence. That's not coincidence, not with the stress levels the way they are. So, and our stress levels pre-COVID were were alarming. You know, we see rates of diabetes, heart disease, obesity going up. You know, hypertension. Um, as you say, people getting more colds and flus. Rates of anxiety and depression going through the roof. Um, suicide rates going up. You know, among certain certain cohorts of the population. And so, we 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 were you know in an unacknowledged crisis in many ways in terms of how we cope with and and address trauma in certainly North American and Western European society pre-COVID, right? And now we've been living through a collective trauma um, and having to rally and having to keep going and having to pivot. Uh, I said, I mean, I said to somebody, I feel like I've pivoted so many times in my business since COVID, I feel like a dervish, like I'm just constantly pivoting, right? And, and I know other people can relate to that. And, and we all know people who've closed their doors because of COVID. You know, so that that pressure is real and it's been constant and there hasn't felt like there's an end in sight. And that's been layered on top of what was going on before. Right. So this this conversation about trauma, the way Gabor Mante says, I don't know if you've seen uh, his new documentary, The Wisdom of Trauma. It's excellent. Yep. You, you can stream it. It was I was out and I watched it like that. Yeah. More, I, I said, waves, I'm putting everything on hold. And mm-hmm. I'm going to watch this. She wasn't sure what we were going to watch. And, and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to watch it. You don't have to. Um, and she sat down and, and within minutes she was hooked and, mm-hmm. and she went through it. And then after that, I was like, I love Gabor like in general. Um, but like to see it all summarized was such a great thing. And then, you know, I, I just so happened. I ended up having a book that, uh, that my wife wanted to, 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 to look at and, you know, now she's so on this path of uncovering some of these deep level traumas. And, and when we say trauma, okay, so people when listening here, we're not mm-hmm. talking like motor vehicle accident. We're not talking just about rape or big, big issues. Trauma is just an incident that your brain has said, hey, this is significance. And I have an emotional reaction, a visceral reaction to this. Uh, and those that reaction, that energy is stored in your cells. It's like water has memory. It's the same. Your your body is full of water, and mm-hmm. that, that that water that has memory, dude. Um, you know, like it's not uncommon for massage therapists to massage certain areas, release years of pain and frustration, 
um, and you don't even know why you're just broken down and crying yeah. and it's just real because it harbors itself and mm-hmm. yeah like like we just went down that that whole hole of trauma so don't think of trauma mm-hmm. as as like something has to be like war related or or, or whatever I mean, trauma mm-hmm. could be as much as your mom didn't give you ice cream and you didn't feel worthy and you had a visceral reaction and you didn't get to release it fully and you didn't get to understand what happened and mm-hmm. all your cells did it was remember what that feeling was and it created a story and that story stuck that mm-hmm. trauma mm-hmm. absolutely i mean i, I did a train i got to do a training when i was uh, living in ontario with uh, a full day training it was mostly oh, me, but i'm jealous i am so jealous. mostly social workers and, and me and a couple other people like uh, my wife who's an naturopath she was there a couple other people but one of the things he said that stuck with me was he said Tra- the definition of trauma is very simple it's anytime you had a need and it didn't get met. Now he said, by this definition, we all have trauma, but of course we are not all equally traumatized. You know, I deal sometimes as a relationship coach, clients who are grappling with the legacy, say of their parents divorcing. This of course is trauma. Our, our human psychological need for consistency, stability, familiarity, predictability, our need for certainty, our need for love connection. In some cases, our need for significance. These are all core psychological needs according to human needs psychology, um, you know, th- those, w- those were disrupted. That need fulfillment for certainty, significance, love connection was disrupted by the, dis- the dissolution of our parents' marriage. So yes, this is a trauma, but you know, he, he said very quickly, we trauma, we are not all equally traumatized. Today is the 30th of September. It is the national day for, you know, the, the acknowledgement of, of reconciliation with indigenous peoples in Canada. So let's talk, you know, somebody whose parents divorced, that's a very real trauma in some cases for some people, not the same as somebody who's a survivor of a residential school. Not the same thing as people who, who lost family members, you know, to these, these sort of unmarked graves that we're finding around the country. And that's very relevant today. So yes, we all have trauma. No, we are not all equally traumatized. He's not trying to say it's all the same for everybody. That's, that's far from what he's getting at. So trauma is anytime you had a need that didn't get met. Well, one of the things we have a need for is predictability, stability, our, our version of normal. COVID has swept that away for many of us to a greater or lesser extent. Not all of us have lost somebody personally to COVID. And, you know, that, that is a very real trauma. Bereavement loss is a very, very real trauma. However, our normal has been taken away. Our sense of predictability, am I going to be okay? What if I get sick? Who's going to take care of my children? What's happening in my business because of COVID? So the, the inability to create, to control predictability, stability financially as a parent, et cetera, that is a form of trauma. And so this conversation is very timely. I mean, Gabor Mate has been saying for years, he and other leading lights in the field have been saying for years, you know, not, not even all therapists and doctors work is trauma informed. But well, the more we learn about trauma, the ways that it gets into the body, he says in The Wisdom of Trauma, trauma isn't, you know, just the thing that happened to you. It's what happened in your body because of the thing that happened to you. 80% of trauma is stored in the body. So conventional forms of talk therapy or talk you know, coaching will only move the needle on trauma as much as 20%. The rest of it, we have to get into the body, right? So we need applied approaches that help us to get stress out of the body. Part of our work then as business owners, as parents, as human beings, uh, I would say it's threefold. Number one, we need to expect and demand our teachers, our doctors, our therapists, our educational policymakers, 
even our accountants are doing trauma-based work, trauma-informed work. I don't think there's a field of human endeavor that shouldn't be trauma-informed because all of us have trauma to a greater or lesser extent, right? That is resolved, integrated, or unresolved. In the vast majority of people, it is unresolved. We're bringing that with us into our businesses. For many of us, that's why we started our businesses, right? For those of us in holistic professions like relationship coaching, massage therapy, and so forth, many of us went into, we were called to do this work because of our appreciation for, or our own personal need in our histories, for support around, you know, different forms of lack, trauma, and needs being unfulfilled, and so forth. And so this is, this is the time, this is the time to be having this conversation. So number one, we need to be demanding that, yeah, that everybody be doing trauma-informed, trauma-aware work, whatever their field of endeavor, but particularly doctors, teachers, and so forth, uh, addiction counselors and whatnot, all medical personnel. And and Gabor Mate is is saying this. I'm not the only one who's saying it. He's certainly in agreement with us on this. And then the other thing is, number one, we need to deal with the trauma that we got with the appropriate supports. And number two, we've got to deal with those smaller stress cycles day by day and acknowledge, for example, with COVID, that, yeah, we are going through a collective trauma, right? Indigenous peoples in Canada, right, are being re-traumatized, right, by the, by, by the, the, the publicities around um, these mass graves, these unmarked graves at, at residential school sites around the country, and that's not going to go away. So how, as a country, how, as communities, are we circling and supporting Indigenous communities? Because, of course, that healing has a ripple effect. Yeah, right? that absolutely has a ripple effect. So how are we doing that in our companies, Justin? How are we as business owners, who are sometimes also employers, doing trauma-informed work? How are we taking steps to create a climate, a culture in our businesses of psychological safety? Right? And so that conversation is really starting to be moved forward. There's a, an organization in the United States called Free From. Uh, I believe Sonia Passi is, is uh, you know, the, first, the, the sort of founder and one of the directors of that organization. And they help to uh, help people that are, that are escaping from violence, whether it's gender-based violence, violence uh, against trans people and whatnot. And they are trying to change the conversation. They are trying to create a sea change, to change the conversation around employment culture, not just to support people who are in these situations, but also, for example, if you are in a situation where there's interpersonal violence in your home and in your family, right? We've just in the last couple of years improved paid leave for people who are escaping domestic violence in this country. But, you know, we're, we need to be having a conversation about this because we're, you know, a, a, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? A rising tide lifts all boats. Conversations about trauma, conversations about motivation, which tracks back to trauma because when you're grappling with trauma, it'll sap your motivation. It'll sap your creativity. It'll sap your entrepreneurial problem-solving ability to pivot and adapt, right? That rising tide where we, we begin as a society on purpose and with intention to become trauma-informed, right? To listen and take direction, for example, from Indigenous elders and Indigenous communities, right? And so forth. That is a tide that will lift all boats. Yeah, Absolutely. Man, I tell you, we so supercharged this episode today. Ooh. Ooh, we were on a roll. Now, so everybody, as you know, if you like this, if you like the content that we're putting out here and you want Erin back on this show, uh, if you want her to be a regular, because I think she brings such a huge ton of value. So if you guys don't agree with me, you please let me know. But you know, I think Erin uh, and I have really great uh, chemistry in, in terms of lighting up some subjects here. Um, yeah. But if you guys want to hear her back on the show, that'd be great. Erin, um, you know, 
I know you touched on a book, um, you know, for those people who make it to the end and who just kind of skip to the end, because I know there's a, people, a couple people out here who probably skipped just to the end to figure out what new book to listen to. Uh, either you want to repeat what book it is that uh, that you, you think everybody should be looking to or, mm. you know, show me a new book that uh, that somebody might want to consider reading. Mm, I mean, it's, uh, there's, there's many that, uh, if I get a chance to come back, I'm sure there'll be many others, but uh, what lit me up was Brene Brown's conversation with the Nagoski sisters on, uh, on Dare to Lead, her podcast, Dare to Lead, and she, they're talking about their book, Burnout, right? And I know, like, we're all so done talking about stress and burnout. Uh, this book is worth your time. It's absolutely worth your time. Perfect. Well, everybody... You know, thanks uh, for tuning in for another week. Uh, if you want to connect with Erin, her co- her contact information will be in the description below. So make sure you check that out. Make sure you check with Erin and uh, let him know. Let her know that you heard about her here on the podcast because, you know, she'd probably like to know whether her time is worth it or not here. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, thanks for having me back, Justin. It's always a nope. pleasure. Always great. Thanks for, for joining me on the show today. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. We want to thank you for listening to the Tactical Titans podcast produced by 360 Media. Your time is valuable, and we're deeply humbled that you are spending this time with us. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on Instagram at 360photo and at Tactical Program. You can also email us. We want to make this channel great, something you enjoy, and find tons of value. Send us your insights to info at 360photo.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us reach more listeners. As always, tune in next week as we help you become titans of business and marketing.